You are listening to the TF Cast, a Mankato-based arts and culture podcast where we hear stories of upcoming projects and get to know the people making things happen all across southern Minnesota. Hello and welcome to another episode of the TF Cast. Today's date is uh, December 8th, and we've got a special guest for you. With us today, we have Dagger Chuck, Mankato legend. Hey, hello everybody. Hey, listen, I'm super sorry about the technical difficulties. Oh. <laughs> it just If you listen to Dagger Radio every week, it's just like, I'll be talking for like 15 minutes. Oh, it helps if you have the volume up on your microphone, <laughs> you know, something like that. So Yeah, well, you brought and, the anyways, curse. Hey, <laughs> the best thing about it is we're on the air now, so. We are. Anyways, hey, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm super stoked to uh, be on the show. Many setbacks. This is uh, yeah. It's like oh god, I it's fucked these guys over again. <laughs> Excuse me, I have no filter too, just to let you know. We so, don't. It's fine. We don't. We, we don't, don't cut any filter. But uh, just... super, super stoked on what you guys are doing, yeah. and uh, everybody seems to be stoked on it as well. Well, let let let's let's. Just introduce a little bit of the the what it is that you're doing exactly. Like give give the audience who might be unfamiliar the rundown on Fuzz Talk Dagger and any of your other projects. Well, we've been doing the Minnesota Music Network for about uh, 20 years, pretty close. It's one of those things where um, hanging out at the bar with Edgar and uh, Edgar's. The late great Edgar Byrne. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say it together. Fuck cancer. Fuck, Fuck cancer. cancer. Right. So we're sitting in the bar having a few cocktails, and uh, Tim and Shelly from uh, Shuffle Function are like, "Why don't you have a show, Chucky?" It's mm-hmm. like you know everybody in music. You need a radio show. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And Edgar's like, yeah, yeah, we got one now. So they put us on the air, and uh, we're still here. And then Fuzzy. Joined the show and then um, he started Fuzz Talk Radio. He's like, we need to be on Fuzz Talk Radio, and we've been doing that for probably uh, I don't know, fifteen years, I guess. So mm. it's pretty awesome. All the great people you get to meet uh, because of it. So, oh, and what's the format of the show? Is it is it just talk show? Do you do music? Music. Do do it's all school? music. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, yeah, my stupid banter. I I guess. <laughs> Like I said, I have no filter, and we just let shit fly. So I don't know. And, and then there's so many people that tune in. It's great. All the, all the great people you get to meet through music, skateboarding, art. It's great. This community, you guys, you know, how awesome. You know, if, if we were into baseball or football or whatever, and you're like, they don't have that cam- camaraderie, you know. It's like mm. you look on the YouTube, you're at a football game. It's like two guys fighting in the stands. Where if you're into music, art, or skateboarding, it's like, yeah, let's go hang out. I've never seen a musician have an argument ever in my life. Yeah. It just it's impossible. <laughs> no, <Nah, yeah. laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. There's no... <laughs> I've been going to the What's Up Lounge since day one. I've seen thousands of shows. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of arrogant <laughs> musicians. I hate to say that. Sorry, not 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 no, anyone, no. not anyone listening to this. You're watching this podcast. a bit of a ego, I think, with it. Yeah. Ego and music well, you go hand in hand. Your, pretty to put your art out there, you need you do need to you do need to just get out there and be like, "This is me." You, you know? do. And then I was watching uh, this interview with Jay Maskis from Dinosaur Junior, and uh, the interviewer is like, "So, what do you think the deal is with with music nowadays?" 
Jay's like, well, people sometimes are too ambitious. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you mean? And he's like, well, we just wanted to be on SST Records, and we did that. And then, well, we did that, so we might as well just keep playing music. And there's like no attitude, no ego, no nothing, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't know. So, so mm-hmm. I, yeah, most yeah. it is that kind of like you. There is a real way to get like scooped up now. Like it could just happen to you. And like I feel like that kind of like scratch off, like like you could hit it big is just like in the back of everyone's mind. And like for me, I really enjoy playing music, but like I like I think about it like that's just something that I want to do because I enjoy it. Yeah. Um like I and on the other side of that like here, like I would I would love, you know, for one of our videos to go like mega viral. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, like, definitely. Totally. I I feel I feel that like thing like it could, and it could cuz we we have so many awesome artists that come on. You and know? here's the deal like not to date myself. I'm an old I'm a fucking dinosaur. But uh, back in the in the early '90s, like when the uh, the grunge thing broke, mm-hmm. and that's what it was. Like labels were just buying up bands, you know. And mm. who's going to be the next big thing? Because you know, if you listen to a band like Nirvana, like pretty simplistic music, but it just caught on. There was this fashion; it just enveloped all these people, and that's what labels were looking for. And now you got what YouTube and TikTok and you know people jumping on who's going to be the next. It's not so much the love of music; it's how are we going to make money off it. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's a little like it's more. Well, I be, I bet there's a little bit of both too. Like I bet that there's projects that are authentically good music that get picked up and and yeah because they're seen and wouldn't have otherwise been. But there's also this like. I, you probably call it like clout chasing thing where it's not about the music. It's about like just being popular and being annoying on the internet. And then the music follows. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that way for everything probably, you know, yeah. I mean, our society isn't exactly kind to people who are like not making money. So like, if you really love making music, you need to find a way to like, you know, turn mm-hmm. that around into something that makes money. Otherwise, you're only going to make music when you're exhausted from your other thing, you know? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. And then especially, like, the community that, uh, you know, I grew up in the, in the punk rock community. And, uh, wow, we got paid 100 bucks for that show, <laughs> you know? And, like, that's... <laughs> well, that's... 119 80 bucks. <laughs> what is that? Like, two houses? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I, I just paid off some bands for, the, for Edgar Fest. Yeah. And I, I think the highest pay was, like, $200. And still, and they were stoked on that. And really, that's not much money, which here's a question for you guys, because it's always seemed to be like five dollars for the entry for a show. So now I'm working on booking some other shows. And I'm thinking, what's a fair here, it's a question? What's a fair price? I'm thinking fifteen dollars at I, the door is, is a pretty fair. We need to. First of all, we need to look out for the bands. Mm-hmm. Um the venue, I don't want people to, you know, shy away from coming to the show. I want everybody to come in. If you can't, if you don't have the 15 bucks, mm-hmm. I want you to come in and see that show. You know, we're always going to find a way to take care of you. But uh, the reality is, I think with most shows nowadays, people are a little bit older. I don't know what's really going on. Is there, is, is there college age shows? Is that going on? Certainly. You know, I mean, they're here. What's hard, I think, is like 15 bucks isn't much. Like, people spend that all the time. You spend that at Chipotle on your burrito with the guac and sauce. Or yeah. Whatever. And so, like, but in Mankato, I haven't 
seen it translate very well to people to shows. on the page of shows. Yeah, and there so, you go. We, we've I had this conversation a lot and recently. And basically, like, people have asked, have asked me why shows cost more than $5. And there is a cultural expectation in Mankato that music is free or cheap. And we did build that. And I think that the way it needs to be changed and it needs to be changed with some signifier of, of, of quality, you know, like, um, and it, it's not saying that there aren't, you know, amazing musicians here or that the shows aren't quality, but you know, like, like one of the things that we've thought of as a way that we're going to try and improve some of these things is, you know, bringing in additional like light and sound support. If, um, we're going to put our name behind yeah, the show and all that thing, co it costs money though. You, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and that's what I'm looking at is you guys need to be compensated for what you guys are doing yeah, and certainly. the bands for, you know, coming. Well, in a lot of cases that we found out is even as a production company right away, like trying to be profitable, um, like what you're talking about with $5 shows is it's like difficult to pay a production company. So what you're, what you're relying on for that is basically like infrastructure at a bar and, not able to pay bands well like bands aren't going to want to do any traveling or try very like it it's it's poorly incentivizing like a good time like no no the production team's not incentivized to like bring extra stuff and make it cooler and the band's like uh like i'm hardly going to get food from this yeah so um. like overall like the pay has to go up for both the productions and the bands but getting it there without the community being on board like i don't i don't know how that works either so I think it, it comes down to like working with the venues to to make them more desirable for people and then figuring out like how the how to organize a show such that people are more excited to be there, I guess. You gotta you gotta <laughs> you gotta fight against the status quo too, because you know, at the end of the day, there are, you know, people who have made their bread and butter, you know, hard working musicians who have put together one or two man shows who play for three hours straight for $200, they bring their own sound, and yeah. they fill the place over and over again. Now you want to put in a rock show with three bands, pay each of those bands $200, and have a light show. And you're saying, we're going to bring the same crowd, and we want $1,000. Right, you right, know, right, right. like, th this, is, this is a hard sale, but, like, those are the hard sales that need to happen in order for there to be a community. And mm. when I, I hear about this all the time, and I, I hope we get the opportunity to talk about it, but, you know, the the 90s, 80s and early aughts um, music scene in Mankato here, I think it, it was so successful because of the way that it was organized. And then also another thing I'd like to hear your opinion on is I think one of the reasons that it kind of fell off was because it never really adapted to the digital landscape. Like when those shows started getting organized in a new and different way, like it continued to be word of mouth and kind of. Yeah, um, went I, that way. I think a lot of it was. Um, again, I'll date myself a little bit, but, uh, I grew up in, in the town when there were no venues that did original music. It was all cover bands and then, uh, skanks and lower North Mankato, they came around and there's bands like Husker Duke played there, ugly Americans, urban gorillas, DOA played there. Oh, wow. And, and uh, like I said, we were just little kids. We'd skateboard outside. We couldn't get in. Jeff Schnobrick was, he got in because he was doing Sick Thoughts fanzine. He was doing a fanzine. Mm -hmm. And um, where was I going with that? Uh, 
that's how it started. And then the what's up came around and it had a built in. It was people were like, they, it was so exciting at the time. And then I think it just kind of got uh, sort of passe. Everyone was, well, whatever. And the what's up when that started out, if you weren't there by eight o'clock, you weren't going to get in. It was going to, it was sold out every night. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, it'd be nice to get back to uh, those crowds again. But then again, it was people that weren't necessarily into the music scene. There it is. Well, there's mm. an, there's an expectation too. And this is another thing that I, I've talked about over and over again, where, you know, you, you, you can walk up to the, you could walk up to first Ave any night and you could know that there was going to be like good music there and you could just pay for the ticket and not know what's up. And I've heard similar things like, about what's up back in the day they had someone who was committed to making sure there was good acts there and people knew on friday thursday saturday you could go to the what's up and you could expect a good show yeah there was it was great uh aaron swanson he was the first guy that booked there mike peaton and then i, I did a few shows back then and it was always nice because i always got to be kind of a consultant like oh what do you think about this band yeah bring them bring them bring them mm. you know and and it, it's cool it's like but then there, I think what a lot of people miss out on is Marty's, Jason Knudsen, uh, Jeremy Jessen, and those guys. Marty's was was beautiful because they brought in like Rancid and No Effects, and, mm. and all these huge offspring. You know that was amazing the way they ran this, just as as young kids. You know what I mean in their early twenties, some a lot of them teenagers still, and it's beautiful. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's the I don't know if we're ever going to get that back again, but, uh, and again, it's, it's a mystery how it all worked together. I think it was kind of the popularity of the music at the time too, you know, mm-hmm. um, and kids want kids wanting to, to belong to, to something. Yeah. And these kind of outcast kids with the green and blue hair. <laughs> and at that time it was like, well, you can still play football. You know, when I grew up as a little punk kid, if you had a goofy haircut, you were probably gonna get your ass kicked, you know what I mean? We there was times where we'd be out skateboarding, you hang out at a spot for about ten minutes, and then the rednecks were gonna come and chase you down. So, mm. and then slowly, I don't know if we won or lost this battle, but slowly but surely, it became acceptable. Because you know, you go to Walmart now, you see someone with blue hair. Do you yell at him and go, punk rock faggot? <laughs> no, you don't. You know what I mean? That's what happened to us when we were kids. I know, uh, excuse the terminology. It's just, yeah. it's just what happened. You um, know, it's just it's not that way anymore, you know? and um, One thing I wanted to say is I, especially when uh, Chad was here before and you brought it up too, like I think how hard it was to make all of those shows work and like you had to be in the know. You had to know where to get these zines. You had to know how to book these shows and nowadays i can just like message any venue on facebook and i have 50 events coming to me and i almost have too many events and i don't know what to choose from so i Mm. think like because it was such a like you had to find these zines and you had to be into it i think the accessibility is almost making it less like cool to like be at the cool spot at the cool time yeah and i I just i think about that too it's like and especially in the 80s is like being a teenager and like if you weren't into punk rock what were you doing with your life you know i, I just can't mm. i can't figure that out because you know my high school days junior high or whatever it was all about hanging out with friends starting bands doing fanzines booking shows going around to um 
job sites and borrowing wood to mm. uh, build stages. And what did other kids do at that time? You know, I don't, I don't get it. You know, it's like we're always so active doing stuff and yeah. uh, I, I don't get it, you know, but uh, that's yeah. life, you know. Zach, in hearing you pitch it like that, one of the things that I noticed was that it seems like with, because I agree that now we use Facebook and events are managed there and production companies organize, we do that. Um, but in a lot of ways, it removed the culture from the experience. Like the culture of it was the zines, was the like, yep. you hear about the show from your friend or you're like asking, it, it, it was like, the seeking i think like fostered the culture yeah and then probably the gatekeepers had the ability to like coordinate stuff and it, then there was an excitement was, built it up. was the, it was reading the back of maximum rock and roll mm. or flipside magazine and that's where all these bands would they're like contact us where we want to be on tour and i think the the, the first big show or what first show i ever mm. i ever booked was snfu and that was Jeff Schnoberg, he's the godsend uh, of this town. He's the one that started the uh, Y'all Ages shows. I, I have no doubt that probably in the 60s and stuff, there were probably clubs or whatever that were doing all ages shows. There was uh, the Gestures. I'm not sure if you guys know who the Gestures are. The Gestures yes. had a song called Run, Run, Run back in the, in the 60s, and it was like a top 10 hit. And I, I have no doubt they they probably had teen clubs back then, but uh, anyways, when our generation comes around, Jeff started booking shows at the uh, YWCA, hmm. which is now that uh, the what's it called um, the Cray Mansion there. Yeah, the Cray yeah, Mansion yeah. there. We'd have shows hmm. in the attic up there, but um, that's cool. Yeah, so so he, he started. A anyways, back to the SNFU story. Chad Saban gives me SNFU and no one else wanted to play. And there's a number on the back for booking information. Call this. So then I'm like hmm. 15, 16 years old. I call it up thinking I'm not going to get an answer. And there was some sort of message you you left. And like two days later, they called me back. And I'm like, what? You know, it's like, what is this? Because you grow up, you got your Led Zeppelin records, your Rolling Stones records, whatever. And if there's a number on the back, you're going to call that thing and they're not going to call you back. So, you, you know, you're just getting into it. Mm. This is a band that has a record out. So obviously they're up there, right? Mm. And they called me back and I was like, uh, so then I got a hold of Jeff. We made it all work out, but you know, that, that's how it was. Like it was just, and, and I'm like, well, what do you guys want for pay? And they're like, well, can you get 500 bucks? And I'm like, man, Here's the deal. We only have like 15 people that go to our shows. Hmm. You could name everybody. And that's, we, Jeff had fanzines. And instead of like last names, it was all first name. It was Chuck, Tim, Bob, Joe, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's how small the scene was. But we went out and we flyered everywhere. And we just hyped this. And we got uh, probably about 200 people there. So that was hmm. pretty awesome. That's cool. Yeah. What uh, what uh, what are some like? Is there anything you think people uh, aren't doing now, or maybe forgot about that that really had a big impact on in some of your early organizing with music? I, I think it's difficult. You really need. 
because it, it, it sounds bad because you're like just shoving people, shoving shit in people's face. Mm. But it kind of needs to be out there. You can, I do it. If I'm running an event, I'm going to be pushing that stuff because I'd feel bad if I'm booking a band. If some band's coming here, I want them to know that I'm, I'm at least trying, right? Mm-hmm. And I want people to get sick of, the, of my promotion. Oh, this, they're sick of it, but they know it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. You and like I, five taco posts in between. And a, yeah, a lot of talk. Yeah, see, I put a lot of food posts up there too. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think just kind of pushing it, you know what I mean? And if you're going to take the time to book a band, and that's something Edgar always told me, is like, if you're going to book something, promote it. Just promote, 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 promote. Mm-hmm. Shove it in people's faces. And that's kind of what we, because we're, like I said, we're just little punk kids when we started doing this. And we're like, oh, look at us. Look at us. Look what we're doing. You know what I mean? It's like we're bringing bands to town. Mm-hmm. And you're so stoked on that. You want to tell everybody. And that's probably something that you shouldn't lose. You mm-hmm. know, you especially for the band's sake. You want nothing to be better than having a band come down and having them play for a packed house uh, for a lot of people that have never seen them before. And they're all going, yay. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, you know, the, the promotional market is a lot more saturated right now. And I, I do think that just how much we're bombarded with promotions on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you know, all your socials, you know, where, yeah. where it's easiest to do the best work. Like it, it is it is not impossible, but it is more difficult to stand out in those things. You know, like there, there have been times where, you know, we've put together events and, you know, we've really wanted to somehow like in part, like this is going to be different than the last one. And we have like long conversations. <laughs> like, how are we going to do this in 12 seconds? Right, like, right, right. <laughs> what, like what the average retention is, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of that too is it's like, there's people that do it just for the love. And there's people, you know, like, like I said, like the, the early nineties came around and how can we make some money off this? You know, and that's that's the difficult part of this is uh, certainly you want to make a living. It'd be great if you could make a living off being in a band or, you know, mm-hmm. doing triple balls production. If you're doing it, that's great. More of the power to you. You know, and then there's that line. How do you do it? With, you know, without being a quote unquote sellout or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, just be real. You know, that's. I think that's the biggest part of it. Yeah, you got to keep your roots in your brand, you know, yeah. and like that, that is, you know, for us, that's Southern Minnesota. So, you know, it, it could be someone stopping in Southern Minnesota or it could be someone who's from here, but like, you know, it, that's just like the thing. And I, I think a lot of people do kind of like turn over there. Like, you know, it, it is like one, once you, once you like bring finances into it, you take the soul out of it a little bit, but it is just like one of the next struggles. Cause I mean, like, I, I don't want to live in the world where the only musicians that are good are the ones who are literally starving. Like, you know, yeah. like, we want to make sure this guy doesn't sell out an album because then his tunes are going to stink. Right, that's, like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's been my thing, too. It's like there's so many bands that, that, I, that I've seen. And, like, and I'm, I'm kind of secretly thinking to myself, like, God, I hope no one else hears this band ever because they're, <laughs> they're mine, you know? <laughs> Built it. Book, that's booking shows and then you show up you're the only one there <laughs> i'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the band called built to spill mm-hmm. built to spill played the what's up lounge um Ooh. oh it was great um so anyways my friends in the house of large sizes from iowa uh dave calls me up dave's a guitar player him and his wife barb she plays bass a uh, shout out to uh they live in cedar falls they own the uh, mohair pair hmm. which is a um 
vintage clothing store, and then they own uh, Octopus. So if you're looking to book a show, Octopus in Cedar Falls. I know that place. Uh, I have buddies who like say that's the only place to go. Yeah, go that's, that's Dave Diebler, Dave and Barb. That's so cool. anyways, they call me up, and they're like, you need to get to the show uh, Friday, whatever it was. We're headlining for Archers of Loaf and Built This Bill. Mm. And it was like, what? <laughs> Whoa. So then uh, they were playing Mankato. They're playing the What's Up the next night. And um, so Built the Spill wasn't on. The, they weren't on the flyer. And I didn't know they were playing. So I, I, I got, got up there to hang out with them. And Dave's like, look at that. And I look over there's Doug March. I'm like, no way. And this kind of leads back to like why you want to go see shows, why people. Mm-hmm. So everyone's sitting downstairs at the Oli. And I'm like, Built the Spill is here. And I'm like, well, we're here for House of Large Sizes. I'm like, you don't want to miss. So they played for like nine people. Everyone just sat downstairs, and then later on, people were like, oh, I was at that show. I'm like, no, you weren't. I'm like, mm. don't bring that up. But yeah, so I don't get up and support stuff, but uh, yeah. Hmm. What uh, what's been? So you also had a, a one of the, a, a close relationship working with Edgar through the punk scene, through your radio show, and then because um, he did the radio show with you, yeah, as, for a long time, right? yeah. So what, like, for someone who's in the music community here but never really had a chance to work closely with him or, or share much space, like, um, I don't know, like, what, can you maybe, like, distill some of yeah, uh, here, how here, he was in yeah, the space and things here, like here's that? How, here's how it kind of went down. It's like, I think I got my first skateboard. God, I'm really aging myself now. Probably 1974. And I cruise around the town, or cruise around where I lived, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, skate all the time. Skate, 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 skate. Um, and then junior high rolls around, and I hear about these people that were downtown that would skate. Oh, you got, you got to go meet these people. So the first person I meet is Edgar. And I'm like, wow. So I'm, it's like, who's that dude? And he was just... He's getting attitude. He's just uh, really sarcastic, and and so I go down there and hang out with him all the time. But then, uh, then we got to become, become really good friends. And he's like, "Oh, you play music?" Uh, I guess I had a guitar or whatever, and we were into Agent Orange and Dustin Perry and I were the two punk rock kids at East. And then there was all uh, the West had the predominantly punk rock scene. There was a lot of people down there that were into it. They're a little more accepting. In North Mankato, North Mankato was a little <laughs> more open to the punk rock community. East, we had all the Madison Lake people and the Eagle Lake people, kind of the farm boy people mm. that didn't really care for us too much. It's like, whatever. But, it, but anyways, so I meet Edgar, and we started being buddies. And then he got me introduced to, like, well, I'm a skateboarder just because I had to, like, skate. But then he showed me, like, all the arts and the music and everything that comes mm. with it. The community... And then you're like, oh, it's so much more, you know what I mean? And and open your mind to to a lot of things, and uh, just his uh, his his attitude, his outlook on life was great, you know what I mean? I, I can't say enough good things about that guy. And um, yeah, let's say it together. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. Fuck cancer. cancer. Um, yeah. yeah, he was just someone that stood out. He, he was skating every day. We'd all. 
And he always had really bad luck, too. It's like mm-hmm. <laughs> he'd snap his boards. He gets a new board in the mail. And then uh, we got skating. Ten minutes later, broke. Mm. And uh, But he, he'd take the worst slams. And we laugh at him. And he's laying there bleeding. <laughs> Get up. Let's go. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. But, uh, yeah, I miss that guy so much. Mm-hmm. And he was a huge part of this community because he had the van. We cruised around, put up flyers, skated. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we used that van to borrow wood from uh, construction sites mm-hmm. to build stages and whatever. We need build ramps or whatever. But uh, – it's pretty amazing, and I, I like how the lineage or the how it carries on. I guess it's lineage, but uh, the day that he passed, I got a uh, message from someone saying that the kids at the skate park had heard about it, and they got together to uh, have a skate session in his name. So hmm. that's pretty awesome, you know. Kids that probably just knew of him by name that didn't really know him, but I think it's beautiful yeah. that they carry that on, though. Yeah, you can feel it. You can feel it everywhere. It, you know, yeah. I I never met the man, and I like literally like eighty percent of the musicians who we talk about, his name will come up in some way that his work either affected them or he was encouraged by them or you know something he, like he that. He would call me up and like like that uh, the Percocet three thousand seven two thousand seven that uh, the wonky little drum percussion set that he made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just had these goofy ideas. And uh, some of them worked, some of them didn't. Hmm. But still, he, he put time into it, and he'd buy all these goofy vans and uh, all the, uh, oh, my God, some of the, the vehicles he drove. And uh, it was always, he's always thinking of something. And then uh, the post-holiday extravaganza, I really, really got to thank everybody that, uh, excuse me, they took it to the next level. What 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 time period was this? Uh, the post holiday extravaganzas started. Uh, God, I am just like worthless with, with like dates and times. Like I'll be <laughs> saying all the time. Like no, it's like it, it is from 2012. No, it, it was. Uh, I'm gonna guess maybe 2003, 2004, something like that. Uh, okay. Anyways, Edgar comes pick me up uh, t- to do the. KMS, the radio show at KMSU, because I got this idea. We need to have a show. We've got to look out for the Catonians, right? It's been a long winter. We need to book a show, and we'll call it uh, the post-holiday something. something. I'm like, it's the post-holiday extravaganza. Yeah, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it was just a show to uh, – it's been a long winter. He goes, yeah, we're going to have sledding. We'll have cider and hot chocolate for the kids, and we'll have an art show, and then – you can book the bands and we'll have kegs and we're going to have a good time. So we made it happen. Right. And that was, that was a great thing. And shout out to all the bands. I think Sadie Foster and uh, I can't remember Houston. There was, we had quite a few good bands come down and play hmm. and that all went down. And then uh, later on that year is when he got diagnosed with cancer hmm. and then the community came through. It's Edgar. So the community came through and they're like, well, if we're going to do it again, Let's make it a benefit for him. And, uh, yeah, Edgar being Edgar is like, no, I don't want you know, no, don't, don't, don't put me on the pedestal. But, but we made it happen. And then, uh, him being him is like, no, let's, let's start MWAC, the Midwest Arts Catalyst. And he gave back to the, he's like, 
I'm going to be fine. You know, we, we talked about his bills and uh, rarely we would have the heart to hearts about it. You know, I'm sure it's difficult for anyone with cancer to want to face that reality. Mm-hmm. And he did. And uh, he's like, I got it. I got to be around. I got my kids. I take care of my kids. I got to take care of you, Chucky. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then talking about the bills, I'm like, well, you know, what are you going to do? He's like, well, fuck them. Because I, I don't worry about the money it's going to cost. I just need to stay alive. And so then, because I want to see people, pro- I want to see people do good. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially the art community. That was at a time when they were uh, defunding the uh, art supplies and stuff like that in, in the local schools. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of Edgar's idea was like, no, we're going to, we're going to make sure the kids have an opportunity to uh, partake in the art community. And mm-hmm. that's pretty noble, I think. Definitely. Wow. Yeah. So. Did you, you mentioned it in passing. What was Edgar's relationship to MWAC? Did he? Yeah, he's the one that came up with the funds to start really? that. Yeah. He started MWAC. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I have heard of that organization as well, but I wouldn't have connected it to Edgar at all. Yeah, actually. that was that was the proceeds from the post holiday extravaganza wow. went there. And, and there you go. That's another another thing they touch on is like the, the skateboard community really came through. There's uh, Jim Thebold, Mark Gonzalez. Uh, this uh, deluxe distribution. I reached out uh, looking for donations, and these guys came through. And Jim Thiebel was this guy. Just things hit him pretty hard, and he's like, "Chucky, what can we do? What can we do?" And next thing you know, I'm like, "Well, we're trying to get product raised for Edgar, and then for you know, he's into this Midwest Arts Catalyst. Mm-hmm. You got it." Two weeks later, I got boxes and boxes of skateboards, clothes, T-shirts, mm. <laughs> anti-hero. They do anti-hero skateboards as well. But mm. uh, they came through. The skateboarding community really came through. People, it's it, it, there you go. It's like we were talking earlier about sports and, and uh, people coming together. Mm. Commun- skateboarding community, they're all like, he's our brother. You know, they hear stories of Edgar. And uh, that was pretty awesome. They did a big uh, a webpage for him. And money started coming in, and yeah, he's just he's that dude that just brought stuff like that. He didn't ask for it, mm-hmm. but there you go. It's just coming down to like just being yourself, and things will, I guess, things will work out, <laughs> you know. That's wild uh, to imagine what, uh, like you know, the Mankato music scene might be like without people like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right? That's something I bring up, difficult to imagine the impact that they had, even knowing them. I'm sure I bring that up on, on, on my on on dagger radio quite a bit. It's like Motorhead, Lemmy from Motorhead, the Rolling Stones, Elvis, the Beatles, whatever. You know, obviously, something's gonna happen. The Ramones, something's gonna be happening, but is it gonna be this? You know, it's just hard to imagine, like you said, without that influence. Mm. You know, and uh, he was definitely a guy in Mankato that uh, really brought people together. You know, it's like, oh, Edgar's going to be there. Mm-hmm. So let's do that, you know. And yeah, and that's not to dismiss. There's so many great people that followed, you know. And I, I really got to give a shout out to like, there's this family, the Haugen family in town. They were the kind of the family that were the first into punk rock. And we get fucked with. And we go to their house and hang out. And like, oh, fuck those people. And then uh, you meet the people from West. Jeff Schnobrick's doing fanzines, playing in bands. And, and uh, 
it, it all just come together. You know what I mean? And uh, and mm-hmm. then and then later on in life, Jason Knudsen moves here, and that guy is just he's Godhead. Jason did so many great things. All the art. If there's something, if there's it's just something cool going on in Mankato, Jason Knudsen's there. I guarantee that. That guy is he's incredible. So a lot of love, Jason. You know, he's there. He's, he's the person. There's just a few people in town. I mean, it's everywhere. I think every, every, I hate the word scene, but every community, whatever, they have those people that just in it for life, and that's what it is. Mm. You know, he's not making millions off. He's probably losing money for this, but it's the love of art. Mm-hmm. And again, there you go. How do we make it profitable? You want to make, it's great if people can make a living off it, but people are doing it for the love, and that, and those people that do it for the love it really shows. I guess you get you get some accolades from me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that counts for something. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's what I was saying. Like, find something you love, stick with it, you get rewarded. Yeah, I, I got all you friends. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's an awesome thing. And then shout out to everybody. Seriously, everybody, I, I love all the people that tune in on Sunday nights. And we have this banter online. Everyone kind of drinks along and we party and, and, uh, it's a lot of fun. So shout out to everybody. Thanks. I, I couldn't. Yeah, I don't. There's no money involved. It's just hanging out with everybody. That's pretty cool. It's my Friday nights on Sunday. And, and I love that. So Fridays on a Sunday. What what keeps you excited about it? What what are you uh, looking forward to? Do you like searching for music? Yeah, it's the, the new music that's coming out now. Mm-hmm. It's like. And it's difficult because there's so much good stuff coming out right now. Mm-hmm. And. I just got sick of hearing people saying, oh, nothing's good is coming out nowadays. I'm like, where are you at? It's like, this is the, I think this is the best time for music because not only do you have this back catalog you can listen to, but all this new stuff that's coming out. And then it takes 30 seconds to the internet. (laughs) This thing, thank, thank you, Al Gore. (laughs) <laughs> for the <laughs> for the internet the right tubes man right the youtube spotify uh, napster <laughs> there's it's just music is everywhere right and this mm-hmm. doesn't i don't know what you're doing again that's one of those things i just don't know what you're doing they're not looking into new music i mean that i i like every year I, I go out of my way to make some kind of inflammatory statement about music being the best that's ever have has been that's why i love you and it, it's <laughs> it's just like that's obvious, and like if the if your research into new music is turning on the worst commercial radio station and being like this sucks, it's like well maybe you're not doing a good job. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like everyone's going, why is that popular? Well, mediocrity and popularity have mm. been along; it's been synonymous for a long time. <laughs> but 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 there you go again. Sure. As we we're talking, like I love those pocket bands that that I have. Like no one else. It's really heard of. Oh, mm. these guys are great. You know, a few people. Carl Schneider. Carl Schneider is a, is a great resource for music. That guy is just a total dork mm. on music. And he, he always sent me some links and stuff. And like I said, it, it's out there. And um, can't really claim to be a music dork if you're not going to take the 30 seconds to, like, preview a song. You, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm. Yeah, or even listen to it twice. I mean, this happens to me all the time. Like, 
where I'll, I'll I'll hear a new album or from a band that I that I liked and I'll listen to it. I'll be like, oh, they lost it. This is terrible. Yeah. I hate everything about second this. Second listen. And the second listen, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's here. That literally like just <laughs> happened, like a week ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? what what band? What band? Oh no, that was me with the new uh, Grammar record. Oh, yeah, I listened yeah. to it. I was like, what? This isn't the same. And then I listened to it again. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, shout out to them. Uh, I love that new record too. Th- were they from uh, South Dakota? No, they're from here and then moved up to the cities. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I actually played with Logan's old band at the skate park at a show you booked with Weathered forever ago. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, so shout out to all the other people making music nowadays and uh, stick with it. I guess I don't. <laughs> what else do you do? It's like mm. it, it's just. Uh, yeah. Maybe you'll maybe maybe you'll break big someday. Right? Or I, again, people just do it for the love of it, and, and uh, like you know, again, we can bring up Jason Knudsen. Well, I think the like the recommendation is got to be like do it because you love it, but then also like try and look for those opportunities that like make you someone who could get paid to do what you like. Or right. Look at the context, you know, like yeah. it, it isn't like explaining something you love to a, a larger audience isn't just simple, you know, like mm. to, to, to explain to someone like why, you know, punk rock and skateboards is cool. They might look at them and be like, nah, that's dumb, you know? And then, you know, it you is, got, you gotta, what it is. <laughs> you got to bring people into it and like contextualize it for them, you know, or here's or why don't. you're wrong. Yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of like, I like the Fugazi blueprint. They just did what they did, and like, mm. and they, they, were, they were proponents. They did the five dollars shows simply because they probably sold enough merchandise, and you know mm. they didn't need to do anymore, and they made it accessible to everybody. But you know it, that's fine and, and dandy and everything, but not every band has that mm-hmm. opportunity, you know. And mm. and that's that's there we go. It's going to go full circle again. As I was asking, what do you guys think mm. a fair price is for a show nowadays? Because I've, I've got one coming up. I got a hype to show uh, Deep Dark Lake and the return of the Rockford Mules uh, February 18th. I just sent a message out to the, the NATO Colds band. And hopefully, NATO will come and play. But um, what do you guys think? Do you think 15 bucks is oh, too yeah. much? Well, I mean, okay, first I'd of go all, 10 maybe. I saw I saw I at Edgar Fest I saw Deep Dark Lake and I I'd like to get networked with them too because I really like their set. Um, I can same. I can I can do that. Um, but uh, you know, I I I think that you know it, if there's a few of us who are booking shows like we we do we just need to say like this is going to be it like if if you want the entertainment here like this is like we're going to have to change it and like that this is the cost of art and you know it it, it this is this is the moment for that too because everyone's talking about how wages are stagnant housing is up like food costs are up everything is up and you know now i have you telling me live information from the 80s that they were getting paid 100 dollars, and i've accepted gigs for 100 dollars when i was playing in a band it, 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 like, like the wages are yeah. stagnant and it, it is literally us who gets to set it and the audience of people who are paying these prices are the people who are most upset about the problem i look at the price <laughs> of, a, of a skateboard Skateboards have generally been about fifty dollars, and that was from the eighties, and they're still about the same price. Hmm. You know, and it, cost has gone up for everybody. Why does something in an industry like that have to stay the same? 
you know, they're, they're not making their profit, you know, like they should be. But hmm. is it not just that they're like the difference between a handmade deck and something that's like pressed out in a factory? No, it's, or something? The same, it's the same process. But uh, yeah, it's just. I don't know. People don't want to pay more. What? And that's that punk rock. The thing music, is, that whatever, they, it's they do, too. Like they do pay more. Like if you if the, the gas bill to drive back and forth to the cities and parking is more than the difference in what we're making. So if we can yeah. curate our venues to be as good as the experience that you have in the cities, like th this is a save, you know, right, right, for our right, people, right. like time, money, everything. I think I think I, I, early you mentioned quality, like not that the quality has necessarily gotten down, but then refocusing on like quality and whether it's developing the culture of how it's advertised and how it's promoted, how it's talked about. And then being like, yeah, the, like these shows cost real money and we're trying to make them better. So like, well, that was our exact conversation with doing EDM shows and reinforcing, like, how can we justify doing 10 hours of work on lights for this show? And it's like, well, we're going to need to charge 10 or $15. And like, just explain that to people. Like, mm -hmm. do you want this experience or do you want to be dancing to the, the three grow lights with blue bulbs in the what's up like sure. like you can have that experience or this one like is it the same no a lot of it lies on I mean, at least at least my perception of this a lot of it lies in the people that are supposedly in the in the scene of the community it's like you need to get out that is one thing it sounds stupid like oh you go back to revert back to the 80s and the 90s or whatever but when there was a show or event going on you went to it mm-hmm you know, you discovered new things. You, you went, you had to go support it. And without the support, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People need to, I, I, I mean, I totally understand. I don't, I don't know what that event is in Mankato right now, though. Like, I don't, I don't see, like, there isn't a thing that I think of that's happening every Friday. Like, when I first moved here, that was like, like, I was on Fuzzy's, like, uh, like Eagles Club taco runs like yeah, that. Yeah, I went to that every time. Like they they caught me up with that. That was what Sundays. But Mondays. Monday. I mean, I'm I'm talking about music mm -hmm. venues. You need to get out and support stuff like that. If if you're gonna be part of the community, that's what it takes because the the, the venue needs to make money to keep going, and then obviously you want to be there for the bands, and a lot of times shows will get booked. And people are sitting at home playing video games or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to get out if you want the community. And then look, be complaining about why isn't there shows. Well, yeah. you need to get out and, and be part of it. I mm -hmm. think that's the biggest thing we can do is everybody going out and, and supporting shows. And What's hard there is, like, it's hard for me not to see an opportunity to try to to try to offer cheaper shows too as an incentive to get people to come out and then figure out what that looks like but i know that that doesn't solve the long-term problem i i think it works against it which is like where we've been in the situation now because i think that's been done a couple times to try to get more people to come out and then it just doesn't end up helping anyone so yeah i don't i don't know how to flip that model and yeah. make it make well, it, yeah, we're in the bad really. version of it now. Like when you, you brought up Jason Knutson a couple of times when he was on the podcast, he would talk about how the they were basically <laughs> taking the entirety of the door, giving it to the touring band and then local bands were playing for free. Which yeah. is like it. I mean, it's almost like hearing someone explain that and then like thinking about the legacy of how much they've touched this community like the, that's that's kind of been the model, though, for 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 a long time now. It, it, and that's 
kind of how it's been the model, I, I think, because the local bands they want to see the touring band, and mm -hmm. they're like, that's their contribution, a contribution to the scene, and, and uh, people understand it. It's punk rock, art rock, whatever it is, and you know there's not a lot of money to be made in that, and, and you want to keep to your best to keep the band that's touring on the road because their van might break down. They need the money. Mm -hmm. And I think it's always been the attitude. Like we're just stoked to play with, you know, who's ever touring, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I get it. It's like, well, and then it should go full circle. The band that the local band that, that if they get on tour and then they should kind of get hooked up the same way, but mm -hmm. certainly. Yeah. I don't know. We can't fix it all today, but we're we're definitely we're definitely no, in, well, in it, the headspace to try. It, trust me, mm -hmm. it, trust me. We've we've had this conversation for years and years and years and years. And again, the only the only thing I can say is is get out, support the venues. Um, a lot of venues have come and gone. The What's Up Lounge has been there since '91, uh, I believe it's been, and. Uh, it's there, and Tom, love Tom to death, one of my best friends. But uh, there was a while there where he had opportunities to make it an office space or something like that, and uh, he declined, and he's still keeping it running, but it's up to all of us to get there and support the shows and keep mm -hmm. that going, support the bar. And, and again, like venues have come and gone, but uh, we need a reality is this is, this is there – and it's our playground if we want to use it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, it's, just, it's redundant, but you need to be there and support it and uh, keep it going. Sure. Well, I, I feel like we're, we're going around on, on that one. You got any stories or any final thoughts you'd like to impart, um, you know, and end us off with a zinger? You got a tease or like, God, I don't I'm not much, I'm not much for fun for talking. But. <laughs> uh, I don't know So it's great Okay, so here you go we, We're having technical difficulties, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you guys did uh, Cicada Killer mm, Yeah All right, so so years back All right, so when I was a kid I had a, my band practice studio Or a little rehearsal studio in, in the house And I bring bands over so we used to record shows. We had a cassette deck, and we hang microphones from the ceilings. And uh, we're just figuring this stuff out, right? And I'd be the one. I did the recordings. I got some cassette tapes from some really old shows. And and then a lot of it, you, just, what do you, you know, it's like I should have kept on to this stuff. But it's just like, oh, it's just happening all the time. And mm. I, I really feel crappy for not holding on to some of this stuff. But I was recording, recording bands. And then the Lapito Boys, who is Chad and Jeff from Skater Killer, they call me up and they're like, yeah, well, oh, we got a mixing board. You've got to come and do our recording for us. All right. Because I used to record them on a boombox at uh, Devin Waterman's parents' house. So anyways, I go up there. It's Dustin Perry's house. And get everything plugged up, sounding good. And it's just this constant hiss. And we recorded for like eight hours, and I just can't figure it out. I'm like, this is constant, this constant hiss, and everyone's like, oh, let me try, let me try, let me try. About eight hours later, we figured out that the trouble was up too high. Mm. So that's just, uh, I don't know. That's, and that's what kind of <laughs> leads me back to starting off this show. My shows, 
same way every time. It's like just something mm. screwed up. But you know what? There we go. It's a testimony to keep sticking with it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Hey, thanks for being letting me be on the show. Well, thanks. I we we've had every difficulty. I, I, I'm no, glad we finally got you here and in good health and yeah. you know that everything worked out well. And it was a pleasure. Do you have any final I, thoughts? I wanted to thank uh, you for. I think what it is is maybe carrying on some of uh, Edgar's legacy and and doing stuff like Edgar Fest because um, I went to that and I had like I knew of him and Mm -hmm. but there I I don't I'm not sure if I learned a ton about him but like I saw I saw the impact that he'd had on that group and so like um you as someone who's involved in continuing that I appreciate it and I think that that's really important it it was it was just uh it was a tough loss you know it's like you're there Mm -hmm. with him uh for so long I'm going back and forth his chemotherapy for 10 years Mm. And uh, he would just uh, taught me a lot about life and how to handle situations. Uh, we'd be in the in the in the chemo ward, and he'd have a really poor sense of humor. <laughs> Edgar, wherever you're at, <laughs> you know it's true. <laughs> and uh, he'd make some pretty bad jokes. And, and we're just trying to stay positive. But uh, yeah, it, it was difficult, but he handled it so well. And uh, just inspirational to everybody. It's like, if you're in the fight with cancer right now, please know that uh, you can beat it. There's a lot of people that beat it. And just never give up on that thing. And uh, mm-hmm. he, uh, the first time we went to chemotherapy, it's like, because it we, like you said, we have a poor sense of humor with each other. So I run over, I grab a wheelchair, and I'm like, let's go. And he's like, looks at me, I'm like, oh, shit, I fucked up. He goes, no, not today. He goes, because someday I might need this. I'm like, oh, that made sense. So uh, we're up there one day, and uh, we pull into the parking lot, and he's like, oh, today's the day. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I might need that wheelchair. I'm like, oh, fuck. That's when reality hits you. Because mm. normally he'll, just, he'll walk up to the car. Excuse me. He'll put him in the uh, passenger seat. He'll have half a cigarette, and he'll fall asleep. That's mm. good. That's, I love those two hours back from Rochester. You could sleep, mm-hmm. but this day is like, I might need that. So we're sitting in there. We're waiting in this waiting room. He's getting a stent put in his chest, and there's this little girl in there. And she's getting the same thing done, and mm. she is just scared shitless, right? Obviously, and Edgar and I are there, like trying to talk her through it. You know, and the mom's like, "Oh, thank you guys." You know, and I guess, well, I'm doing well. If this guy can do it, you can do it too, you know. And, and anyways, uh, I see people getting wheeled out in, in beds or whatever. And like, it's not looking good. And I'm sitting there on my computer. I'm saying, taps me on the shoulder. You ready to go? He walks out. I'm like, oh, you asshole. Like, mm. But uh, he didn't need the wheelchair after all. But it was just one of those things. He just always an inspiration. Uh, anything can happen and stay positive. Thank you. Well, uh, Chuck, since I first met you in the community and Edgar, you guys have been very supportive. Even back when I worked with Moody, I think that's how I met you. And right away, you were just like super supportive, trying to get my band weathered to play shows. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, that's what you do. That's, I think that's just what you should do. It's like support everybody. Yes. Um, 
yeah, that's all you got, you know. It's like you support things, and uh, get out. It's I think the most important thing is get out. Yes. And uh, you're needed in in our community, and be seen, meet friends. There's so many great. We just, mm. Here we go. We get some love to everybody out there because uh, we've got a great community of people. It's not the biggest uh, scene, but everyone is so. Have you ever, have you met an asshole in this town? <laughs> I don't uh, think we need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say just Jake. Yeah, exactly. now, for the for the most part, <laughs> for the most part, we've got a, a great community. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, I totally, I totally. Agree. And you get it's out really there, great. and there you go. So th- again, like Edgar Fest, like everyone comes together. That guy mm-hmm. was just nice to everybody. So there you go, you assholes. Be nice to to everybody, and don't be a jackass. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, just hang out, go sport things. Support Triple Falls. Uh, Sunday night, Stagger Radio, 7 to 1 in the morning. And then uh, the Minnesota Music Network. Uh, Friday, 6 to 7 on KMSU. So, yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate being on here. You guys rule. Uh, super. St- there you go. Super stoked on what you guys are doing. This is uh, amazing. You know what I mean? So stick with it. And uh, good things are going to come. Thank you. Thank Even you. better than having me on the show. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> All right. I will uh, hold my breath. There you go. All right. <laughs> hey, no, thank you for joining us. Yeah. And it was a pleasure to chat yeah, with you. Yeah, great, guys. Thanks a lot. Big trip. Thanks. Awesome. Oh. Thank you, guys. Thanks for sticking around. You can find show notes for this and every episode at triplefalls.org.